Well, if you have your Bibles, it's probably no surprise, but we're still in the book of Judges. Uh, Turn with me to Judges chapter 6. I thought I'd pick up right where I left off a few weeks ago. How many of you have been enjoying this dive into Judges chapter 6 in the story of Gideon? All 18 people, thank you for doing this Bible study together. If you haven't picked up on what's going on in Judges chapter 6, you need to go read it from beginning to where we're going to be at today. Really capture what's going on. Um, There's a lot in this passage that I believe that as we read it, we can so easily just kind of glaze over the, the information that seems less important. But oftentimes I have found that is exactly where God wants to meet us is sometimes in the things we overlook. Things that seem hidden or unseen. So I want us to pick this up today. Judges chapter six, verses 17. We're going to read all the way to verse 32. And I want you to read it with me today. Verse 17, Gideon replied, now I have found favor in your eyes. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside. He prepared a young goat and from an ephah, a flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and broth in the pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff and that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consumed the meat and the bread. The angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord of Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abezrites. Verse 25, that night, that same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and he did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people got of the town got up, where there was Baal's altar demolished, with the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? They carefully investigated. They were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If 
or whoever fights for him, yeah, should be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. I think his father's starting to realize something. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerob Baal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. There's a lot in this that we're going to unpack. We're not even going to get to unpack all of it today. But I wanted to read it all to kind of give you some context of where we're going to be diving into. And so I want to title our message today. When God gives you a word, but you're worried about the world. God gives you a word. But you're worried about the world. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room. We thank you that you are within our midst. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 Give someone a hug before you are seated today. Tell somebody you love them. Tell them they look good. They smell good. They may have a little B.O. after worship, but that's okay. It's a little bit of sweating going on. It's too hot out there in this Texas heat. If you want to know what hell feels like, this is just the entry gate. I love the summer, but Lord, I can't wait for some winter. Isn't that funny how we do that? This ain't even in my sermon, but isn't it funny how we wish for things that aren't? We wish we had something else than what we currently have right now. I'm not even going to get into that. That's going to take too long to unpack. I just thought about it for a moment. But have you ever had a time in your life where you were afraid to do something because you were worried about what other people would think? <laughs> like, what would your family think? What, what, would, what would your friends think if you did that? Like, what would other people think? Anybody ever been there before? Worried? concerned. I have found in my life that many times when doing something for God, we can be so worried about what other people think. We can be so concerned with their response and how they will react to what we feel like God may be saying. And oftentimes our worry of the world keeps us from the promises of his word. Our concerns with other people's response keeps us from sometimes the revelation that God wants to speak. And we can be so concerned with them that we neglect the thoughts of him. We, we're more concerned of what they think versus what he thinks. And as we step into this text today, we see from the start where Gideon is already concerned with, is this God or not speaking? Who is this person that is talking? Um, he's trying to get some certainty into his soul. And you see, we often want God, just like Gideon did, to show us the whole plan. Like when God speaks and he begins to kind of tell you something, you're like, okay, God, I need you to tell me from like the beginning all the way to the end. Like, I want it all played out. I need to see it all spelled out on paper. I need the bullet point, the checklist, the whole thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I have found out in my life, God doesn't do that. 
And I've also discovered that there must be a certain level of trust in God through that process. A trust that is not easy sometimes to have. Otherwise, if we didn't kind of have that trust and when God would speak, otherwise we would think that when we got to the end of it, we would think it was ourselves who got us through it. Like, like, like you had the genius step-by-step plan. And, and furthermore, let me just say this. If God were to tell us the whole plan, like if he were to spell it out, when he got to the things that we wouldn't like, we would try to alter those moments. Like we would know they're coming and we would try to alter because we, 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 we would alter the pain that was going to come. We would alter the loss that might happen. We would alter the pruning moments that get a little hurtful. We would alter the sacrificing moments that may come. We would alter the parts that would sting sometimes. The parts when he tells us that the ones we are with are not the ones that are with him. That the relationships that we have are are relationships that are not really what God wants. And he says, you need to leave them. You need to separate that relationship. They think you think they're your friend, but really they're your enemy. We don't like those parts. The parts where he says. Leave the comfort of your secure job right now. And I want you to step out in faith into something new. That's a hard place of trust. The parts where when he says, hey, legacy offering is coming again this fall, December 3rd. And that thing that you've been saving for, that thing that you've been wanting to get that you really want. I want you to give it in the offering to further the kingdom. Those are the kind of parts that we want to alter. I say that because there's been that very same talk with God with me when he says, hey, that thing you thought you were saving for wasn't for you. It was for my kingdom and you're going to give your sacrifice. And I'm like, really, God? Are you sure, Lord? Kind of like Gideon said, give me a sign. But if we knew the whole plan, we would change the course to our preference. We would change it. But the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. It says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It says above the heavens are his ways. And I got to tell you today, there's nothing wrong with asking God for a sign. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't miss his sign because you don't like his answer. We oftentimes, and I know for me, there's been many times in my life where I'm asking God for a sign and sometimes the sign will come soon and sometimes it comes not so soon, not when I would want it. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for a sign. Gideon asked God for a sign right from the top in verse 17. If I have found favor, Lord, give me a sign. And you see, what I love about God is that he patiently walked Gideon to a place of courage. Like God, he brought Gideon patiently to the point of courage. We hadn't even got to what he's going to do yet, but he brought him to that point. And if you continue to read in Judges 6, you will see where Gideon three times asked God to give him a sign. Three times. Sounds kind of like some of us sometimes. God's like, here's your sign. 
kind of like the, 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 you know, you know what, you laughed, you knew where I was going. Billing ball, he's like, here's your sign. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord help y'all. It's like you're walking into the grocery store and somebody asks you, you here to get groceries? No, I'm coming to buy a pool. Here's your sign. That, that's, okay. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. I'm not a comedian. I'm sick to my day job. All right. But Gideon three times, he asked God for a sign. And what, what we observe in this text is that God generously and he patiently gave him assurance. But it wasn't the plan that he wanted. No, it was trying to reveal to Gideon that he is who he says he is. Like, I don't know if you picked that up when we were reading in this text. And what I've discovered in my life is that some of you are looking for the wrong thing. God is trying to assure you of his presence and you're missing his presence because you're still looking for a sign. It, it took Gideon three times to get it. Can I tell you today, we don't need a plan. We don't need to know the plan. We just need his presence. That's all that we need. Because I've discovered in my life that in his presence is where his anointing and we are covered by it. In his presence, we are surrounded by his peace. In his presence, we can lay down our sword and our father will fight on our behalf. And so God tells Gideon, I will be with you. He's we read this several weeks in a row. He's trying to assure Gideon, I am with you. I am who I said I was. And he furthermore, he says, I will be the one who will take them out, not even leaving a single person standing, trying to give Gideon assurance. Aren't you thankful for a God that gives us what we need, even though we don't know that we need it or realize that we need it? That we serve a God whose presence is in our midst, that we serve a God, that in his presence there is fullness of joy, that in his presence there is a peace that surpasses all understanding, that in his presence is where his anointing flows, his spirit moves, his power overcomes, his love abounds, that we serve a God who is present, he is not distant. Am I preaching up here by myself today? Because oftentimes we can forget this. I know I have. There's been many times in my life, oftentimes when I'm asking God, God, what's the plan for the sermon this week? God, what do you want me to speak? What's the plan? Give me a sign. What do you want me to say? What's the word? And I'm asking God for a plan. And it was this week again that he reminded me, stop looking for the plan and just seek my presence. And no matter how much I stress over the plan, no matter how much I cry over the plan, no matter how much I worry over the plan, nothing changes. I tell my kids all the time they worry about things that don't even exist. Well, what if I'm like, well, when it happens, then we'll figure it out. You're worried about something that doesn't even exist, a fear that is completely invisible. And it's not until I've discovered, it's not until I sit and I rest in his presence that he begins to reveal to me the way forward. 
I'm asking for a sign. And God said, you just need my presence. I want you to tell your neighbor today, look at them real awkwardly, real quick. Just look them. Look, look at your neighbor. Just look at them. Look at them. Look at them real awkward. Just keep looking. Eye contact. Like, don't break eye contact. Like, like just, just look at them right in their eyeball. Just look at their left eye because the right eye might be crazy. Just look at their left eye. Just look at it. And say, stop stressing over the plan. Now, look at your other neighbor, the one that is your second best choice. Look at them and stare them in the eye. Look at them, but look at their right eye because their left eye might be crazy. And say, and start resting in his presence. You see, what, what I love is the fact that when God revealed to him who he was, what we see here is that Gideon built an altar. He built an altar and he, he called it the Lord of peace or the Lord is peace. Well, why did he build an altar? Matter of fact, what is an altar? Well, in the Bible days, an altar was built to offer a sacrifice to God. It was a place where you brought an offering and it was a place where you, it was an act of worship. It was an act of, of reverence to show him, to show God gratitude and thankfulness for what God had done. Altars were also to bring your sacrifice and worship to atone even for the sins that you had committed. The key thing about an altar was it was about sacrifice. It was about worship. And altars were for people and generations to see that God did something here. Like something happened in this place. That way, when the next generation would see an altar as they were walking around, they, they would see an altar that was made unto God. They would ask, what happened here? And so someone would be able to tell them, this is what the Lord did for us. God brought me from this place and then he took me to this place. That God brought me from a place of despair and he gave me a place of peace. That God brought me from a place of, of, of desolation and he brought me to a place of abundance. That God brought me from a place of brokenness and he took me to a place where he restored my soul. God brought me from a place of, of, of addiction, enslaved by sin, and he brought me to a place of victory, a place of healing. Altars were to remind them what God had done and where he brought them from. We may not build biblical altars like they did back then in the day because Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. He was, he was the beautiful exchange. His altar was laying on that cross and in that grave and coming back to life again and pouring out his blood for our sins and for all of humanity. He was the ultimate sacrifice on the altar. But our altars are our worship to him today. That's what our altars are. Our altar is this house of worship for our God. And we, what we do is when we come every single week to church, we lay our sacrifices of worship and offerings to God on the altars. 
And this is why it is so so important how we worship. It's, It's so important that we worship. So that way, the next generation in age and in believers can see, look what the Lord has done in our life, where God has brought us from, that he is a God who restores, he is a God who heals, he is a God who sets free, he is a God who redeems, he is a God who mends, he is a God who liberates, he's a God who strengthens, he is a God of love, a God of peace, a God of clarity. Aren't you thankful for a God who when we worship, our worship is an altar to God. It's a sacrifice to him in a way that honors and pleases him. This is why you got your steel toe boots on. This is why you cannot be a believer and not worship. It's it's actually impossible. You cannot experience the love of God and him touch you and you not worship. You cannot stand in a worship experience as a forgiven, loved, redeemed, and set free believer like a statue watching an observation while you sip your latte or you eat your Krispy Kreme. It cannot happen. Well, pastor, I'm, I am worshiping God. I just don't do it that much on the outside. I'm just more reserved. I'm more conservative in my worship. I do it in my heart and my mind. Can I tell you today, if that is your thought process, then the reality is you made worship about you and not him. You've made it about your convenience, not about his worthiness. Because my Bible says this, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My Bible says, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. My Bible says that if I don't worship, the rocks are going to cry out. My Bible says, sing to the Lord, all the earth. How great is the Lord, and he is worthy to be praised. I don't know what your Bible says, but that's what my Bible says. As a believer and a follower of Christ, we cannot remain quiet. We cannot sit still. We cannot convenience how we feel to alter our worship. Because it's about him. And he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise, whether we believe it or feel it. Like like he is Lord, whether you recognize it or not. He is master, whether you say he is or not. He is God, whether you feel like it, believe it, want to know about it. He is because he is. There is, that is the truth. There is no altering. There is no adjustment. There is no correction. It is corrected. It is what it is. It is the absolute irrefutable truth and the word of God. There is no, there is no one who can challenge it. Here's why this is important is because how will they know what the Lord has done if you can't worship him because of it? How will they know? How will your kids, how will your grandkids know the goodness of the Lord if you don't build an altar and of worship and sacrifice unto him? How will they know? Your altar is meant to be a display as an honor to God and a testimony to mankind. That's what your altar's meant to be. 
And I don't know about you, but I cannot sit here and not praise my God when I get into a worship atmosphere because what, where would I be without him? That I'd be lost without him. I'd be addicted without him. I'd be consumed by the enemy. I'd be in chains and shackled in slavery to sin. But when I worship from a forgiven place, when I worship from a redeemed place, when I worship from a saved place, it makes me want to sing that old church song, look what the Lord has done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can we do it? Come on, if you know it. Come on. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. How will they know if you don't tell them? How will they know if you don't show them? Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. I got more to say. I got more to say. Sit down, sit down. Somebody was about to start running. Some of you are like, what? Why are they running? Because they maybe they feel free. I don't know. You know, we... we you know, we have a lot of people that live around here and they hear us when we worship and I tell them sometimes, sorry, that's the sound of freedom. There's been people that have been set free and redeemed. You can't move next to the airport and complain about the airplane. So don't move to us and complain about our rejoicing of the Lord God who we serve. Sorry. But here's something else that happened that I want us to look at. And this was really the important part that I noticed that really spoke to me. It says that God told Gideon to smash down his father's altars. He told him to get rid of it and to build a proper altar unto the Lord. We see it in Judges 6, 25 and 26. It says that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, one that is seven years old. You notice how God is very specific. I just want to point that out. He, he, he does not tarry in the way that he thinks. He is very specific. He said, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Again, very specific. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. And something that I believe that God wanted me to tell you today is this. Some of you have altars that have been built 
And it's time to enter a smashing season on some altars that are not of God. Altars that are built that are not unto the Lord. Altars that have been spoken over your life that are not of God. That they have been built in your life, but they are not of God. And it's time to have a smashing season. It's time to smash some altars of addiction. It's time to smash some altars of family dysfunction. It's time to smash some altars of financial debt. It's time to smash some altars of broken relationships, of alcoholism, of depression, of shame, of sin, of guilt. Of it's time to smash some altars of sex and pornography. It's time to smash some altars of false sexual identity and gender delusion. It is time to smash some altars. And just like Gideon told, God told Gideon, I believe God is saying to us, it's time to smash the altars that are not unto me and build me a proper one. No wonder I cannot worship God properly because I have built the wrong altar. No wonder I, I'm still living by the altars that were built for a false God over my life. No wonder I can't worship him. No wonder I'm enslaved to sin. No wonder I'm stuck in this addiction. No wonder I'm in a constant state of brokenness. No wonder why I feel my, why my life is purposeless. I've built the wrong altar. Sometimes it may not even be an altar you, you built, but ones that maybe your parents built or ones that were of people that built them over your life. And I came today to tell you that it is open season to smash the altars in your life that are from the enemy. It's time to build a proper altar unto the Lord, that it's an altar of honor, an altar of sacrifice, an altar of gratitude, an altar of, of forgiveness, an altar of praise, an altar of worship, an altar to the lamb who was slain on our behalf. It is time to build the proper altar. I want us all to stand across this room today because I believe that this is a moment that God wants us to take a point of action. Because we've got altars in our life that have been built or we've built and it's to a false God, it's to a false narrative, it's to a whole false belief of what has been said over us, what we've said over ourselves, the way that we've lived our life thinking that we are broken. No, we've built the wrong altar. It's time to come today to smash some altars and build a proper altar of worship to our God. And so what I want to do in this moment while we get ready to sing this beautiful song, I knew this was going to happen. I felt like it last night when God was speaking to me to say, this is what I want you to do. This altar here is open. We built this house to have an altar. This is why there's a space between the, the altar or the stage to that front row. Why? Because there are times when I got to get out of my seat and I got to get down to this altar and I got to hand over my brokenness to Jesus and hand over my sin to Jesus and hand over my dysfunction and my guilt. And if that's you today, and you've built the wrong altar or maybe an altar has been built over your life that is not from God. I want you to get out of your seat while we sing this song and I want you to get before your father and I want you to smash those altars and build a new altar of worship, a new altar of sacrifice, a new altar of serving a God who the lamb that was slain for you.
Today's the day to build a proper altar. Come on. It's smashing season. Let's worship him.
want us to lift our hands all across this room today. This is just an act of surrender. Father, we come before you today. We come with a humble heart. We come with heart of a servant. We come from a place of humility. A place where maybe we've got it wrong or we don't even realize that we've got it wrong. But we come from a place today to smash the altars that have been spoken over our lives or the altars we've built that are not unto you. Every altar of addiction, every altar of sin, every altar of depression, every altar of family dysfunction, every altar of financial debt, every altar of things, Lord, that are from the enemy that are not from you, every altar of sex and pornography, every altar of addiction that has been broken down our lives, every altar of guilt and shame, every altar of unforgiveness, every altar, Lord, that is not unto you today, God, we smash it, we rip it apart, and God, today we build a new altar unto you, Jesus, an altar from a place of sacrifice, an altar from a place of pure and genuine and authentic worship because we have been redeemed, we have been saved, we have been set free. No longer are we bound by chains and shackles of sin, but we are able to walk in victory and purpose and hope and grace and salvation and freedom. So Jesus, we build a proper altar unto you, Lord. You are our master, you are our God, you are our Lord, you are our Savior. And you are worthy to be praised. God, we're sorry when we've got it wrong. We're sorry when we've made it about us and not about you. We're sorry when we've built altars out of convenience instead of altars out of the proper way of worship. We tear them down today, Jesus. We pull them down brick by brick. Even as painful as it may feel today, God, we, we tear them apart. Because they're not of you. We don't want anything that's not of you. I don't want what the world has to offer. I want what you have to offer, Jesus. I don't want their peace. I want your peace. I don't want their freedom. I want your freedom. I don't want their joy. I want your joy. I don't want their happiness and what they think is happiness. I want your happiness because, God, you wrote the book. You built my life. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know every hair on the top of my head. You know every freckle on my body. You know everything about me. You know the pigmentation of my eyeballs. And, God, I just worship you today because you are worthy to be praised, not because I feel like it, not because I'm just in a room with other people, but because you are worthy and you are honorable and you are loyal and you are just and you are righteous. And you are everything that I need, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus.
can come back and show generations to come in age and in belief that this is what you did in this moment, that this is what you did at this altar, that you brought me from a place of despair and you took me into a place of joy, that you brought me from a place of brokenness and you put me back together and brought me to a place of wholeness. This is what the Lord has done. And today, God, I want to live where I can show it, I can breathe it, I can eat it, I can talk about it, I can live it, and every fiber of my being will be able to be an example and a demonstration of the goodness and faithfulness of an almighty God, of the grace of a Savior, of a place where I don't even deserve it. But God, you gave it freely and you give it again because goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life that when I wake up in the morning, your mercies are renewed every single day. So today is a new day. We worship from a place of victory today. Jesus Jesus name. I just Jesus still closed every head bowed for a moment nobody moving around just right where you are maybe you're in this place today you're watching from the other side of a screen hearing me talk about a God who sent his son Jesus to be a an exchange We were supposed to be the ones nailed on that cross for our sin. God sent his one and only son, John 3, 16, one of the most famous scriptures ever quoted. For God so loved. He so loved. He didn't just love, but he so loved you. You are the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you will believe in him, You will not perish when this life ends, but you can have eternal life that you can spend eternity in heaven and not the alternative. 
that God so loved you that he's willing to even give you a choice. He doesn't want to be worshipped out of obligation. He wants to be worshipped from a place of surrender in your own heart. Maybe you're in this space today. You're in this atmosphere and you're like, I need Jesus. If he came to give me life and life to the full, then I want that. If he came to give me a life that can show me ways of, of things, of peace that I've never understood, I want that peace. I want that joy. I want what he has to offer because I've tried and tasted of the world and it's too bitter and it ain't good. But if I can taste of Jesus, it'll be as sweet as honey on your tongue. It'll be as refreshing as water on a dehydrated day. A water where you'll never thirst again. A water that will quench it like you've never had before. And if that's you today and you like, I need Jesus in my life, I want him to make all things new. If he can forgive me of my sin. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that when you repent of your sins, he casts your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He never remembers them again because that's how much love he has for you. I want you to think about that for a moment. Every sin that you have committed, every wrong that you have done, every mistake that you have made, every uh-oh that you've made an uh-oh, he goes, I love you enough to say I will forget it, I will wash it clean, I will throw it away. As far as the east is from the west, it is as far as it is from me. He says, I just want you. I want you just as you are. You may be in this space today and you're like, well, how can I accept God? My life is not right. I got to get my life together. I, I'm, I'm broken. I've got all these issues. I've got all these addictions. No, the Bible says, come to me just as you are, broken and insecure in every addiction and every sin. You don't get right to get God. You get God and he's going to take care of the rest. It's going to be a day by day journey. And we're going to walk this together as a family of believers. So if that's you today and you say, I need Jesus in my life, whether this is for the very first time or you, maybe you've walked away and it's like, I, I've walked away, I've, I thought the world was good and it ain't been good and I need Jesus back in my life. I haven't been serving him. I haven't put him center of my life in every decision and I need to rededicate my life today. I want to I wanna pray a prayer with you today. And if that's you, when I count down from three, if you want to make that decision today, I just want you to boldly lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, ready, three, two, one. Just lift them up, lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, thank you, Jesus. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high, lift them high, lift them high. I see you, 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 I see you. I see you all the way from the front to the back, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high, lift them high. Thank you, Jesus. I see you, I see you. I see you. I see you. Most importantly, God sees you. Thank you, Jesus. Just a few seconds more. Don't let this moment pass you by. Today is your day. 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 A day of transformation. Today is your day. Three more seconds. Just lift it high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer out loud together. 
believer or a new believer today, let's pray this together out loud where your ears can hear you. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Make me new. I place my hope in you. I place my trust in you. And today I build an altar unto you. An altar of worship and an altar of sacrifice unto my God who has now redeemed me, who has saved me, and who's restoring me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shout a big amen. Let's celebrate with every single person.